on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Road, what's happening in Mohawk Valley, great to have you along for the ride today, you can listen on the ESPN app wherever you go, whatever you do, on another balmy spring day here in central New York, uh, take us along with you, you find uh, the ESPN app, you download it, there is a listen tab on the ESPN app, and away you go. And we go with you, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. 437-7644 is a magical phone number that will connect you here to get you on the airwaves. You can tweet me anytime, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or the On the Block text line is something you can use to get in touch with the program. Get those hot takes a-flowing on the text line That's hot. at 288-0644. We have three guests that will join us on the program today. We're looking forward to speaking with all of them right here in this hour in about 15 minutes. Linda Cohn. Oh, we're excited. The Oswego grad ESPN anchor is going to join us. We're going to focus primarily on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Linda's doing a daily hockey show now on the uh, the new ESPN Plus app and loves hockey. Although our Rangers didn't do so well this year, so we'll dive deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs, but certainly a lot of topics on the table with the great Linda Cohn from ESPN. She'll join us here this hour. A little more hockey talk on the way. Howard Dolgan, he's the owner of the Syracuse Crunch as they get ready for the start of the Calder Cup playoffs Friday at the War Memorial. Syracuse and Rochester renewing playoff. I was trying to think of a way to phrase that, but they haven't really had a meeting in the playoffs since 2004. So really what you have to say is getting together in the postseason for the first time in a long time. The Amherst haven't quite made, you know, the postseason a lot recently, where the Crunch certainly have, but to see them back in a playoff series for the first time since one of the best playoff series I've ever watched in 2004. Should certainly be interesting. We'll talk to Howard about all that coming up. Our MLB insider and the most interesting guest we have on this show in a lot of ways because of the random stories and the random places he goes and the six degrees of Seth Everett that we can play. Always a fun game. So Seth Everett will join us to certainly talk some baseball. He's got a new gig, too, that'll tell us about. He's writing some great stuff at that new gig, and you just you never quite know 
where conversation with Seth is going to go. He's great with, you know, movies, particularly like comic book movies. He does a podcast about that. He writes about that. There's some big ones coming out. I'm not a big Avengers guy, but that Infinity War movie is coming out. Is that any good? I mean, you just never know what kind of directions we can go with Seth Everett. That's why I love talking to him. He's a big Devils fan, so I'm sure he'll have uh, some uh, Stanley Cup playoff thoughts on that realm as well, see if the Devils can keep that string going and actually knock Tampa Bay out of the first round, the affiliate of the Syracuse Crunch. Don't see that happening, but maybe he'll give us a reason to believe that can happen. So those are our guests. You be my guest. We're looking forward to doing all that hot takes as usual. We'll talk some more NFL draft today. Would the Jets and Giants trade? Would they swap picks? What would be the scenario? What would be the deal that would make sense that they would do that? I don't really see one. I don't see why. I think they're both sitting in great position where they are. The Giants at two, the Jets at three. The Giants could trade out, which makes their position interesting. The Jets seem to be locked in on Baker Mayfield. So the only scenario that would have the Jets move up a pick would be if they feel someone's going to move ahead of them into that two spot and get Baker Mayfield. So we'll you'll continue the NFL draft talk up until next Thursday when the draft is here. The schedule comes out tomorrow, so we'll get a nice helping of NFL discussion tomorrow there, but we'll certainly keep the draft talk going up until then, and we'll discuss not only with our guests today, but at other points of the program, the NBA and NHL playoffs. Another great night last night and very busy night on the slate, including uh, NHL playoff action on the Golf Channel tonight. Yes, the Golf Channel. Hey, it's just sitting there. You might as well use it. Not a lot uh, happening on a Wednesday night on the Golf Channel, unless you want to watch another rerun of Tin Cup, which I'm I'm all for, by the way. Love love me some Tin Cup, but you know, once in a while. Got to put something different on that channel. I, I want to start with something that certainly uh, we think about a lot here in a town that is as passionate about Syracuse basketball as we are. It's a debate that, you know, depending on what's in the news that particular day, the temperature is either really hot, kind of room temperature, or tends to cool off a bit. And Dan Wetzel, who I have often said on this show is the best sports columnist in America, wrote another amazing piece today that I would encourage you to read. It's not a message we haven't heard before, but the way he phrases it today makes a lot of sense, and it circles back to something that I have often said about college athletics and the debate about paying players, you know, as we sit here and wait to see if Tyus Battle is going to pursue a professional career or come back. Now, he was here for two years, did it the quote-unquote normal way, wasn't a one-and-done guy. We know he was not going to be a player here for the traditional four-year run. You're going to lose him at some point, be it this year or next year, and O'Shea Brissett made his decision to come back. Syracuse is right in the midst of an experiment. Darius Baisley decides to forego college, go to the G League. So we've had a lot of different discussions about this in just the past few weeks based on the futures of players here and the future of a player we thought was going to be here but went down a path no one has ever seen before. So this all ties into Syracuse because we are a very passionate college town, and it's a debate that I think – has a simple answer, but I, I don't think the powers that be are going to be willing to do that. And what made me think to discuss this today was Dan's column. And I encourage you to read the whole thing, but there's a particular section. He kind of closes the column with this. Now, keeping in mind that the findings of the Rice Commission are going to 
I think by the end of this month, right, if there's an exact time frame out there, and I have not found it. Somebody can inform me of the date, but it is going to be within the next few weeks, certainly, where Condoleezza Rice, who was commissioned by the NCAA to kind of look into college basketball and college sports and corruption, and it all kind of stemmed from the wave in September, Rick Pitino gets fired and everything we are hearing about backroom deals and Adidas and FBI wiretaps and, you know, the NCAA and its infinite wisdom says, well, we've got to do something about this. And they wag their finger and said, we, we must stop this. this. This is something that cannot go on. So they do what they always do. They form a commission. And they bring in a big name. And Condi has a nice post life here after being the secretary of the state of the United States to you know, she wanted to be the commissioner of the National Football League, and I still think aspires to be. She's on the college football playoff committee, and hey, we might as well loop her in and fix college hoops too, right? So we'll see what the findings of her commission are. But there's something that Dan wrote here that I think has hit the nail on the head, and frankly, it has been what I have been saying about this throughout, and that is to eliminate the facade of amateurism, to take away an archaic model that does not work in the United States of America in the year 2018, to stop pretending that these players are not essentially marketable forces for schools. They are employees of schools. They are not student athletes in the traditional sense. The conversation has evolved, and whether or not it's being done up front, where we all can see this, or in backroom deals, you cannot slow down what the United States of America is. At its heart, it is a free market. It is capitalism. And that will seep into something that we like to pretend is all about amateurism. Well, we all know that that's bunk. Now, here's what Dan writes. College basketball is its own multi-billion dollar business. It has its own motivations. Age rule or no age rule, tickets will be sold, television deals inked, and coaches expected to win. The game was no less competitive or cutthroat before the age limit rule. Of course, we're talking about the one-and-done rule. When the best high schoolers went directly to the NBA, just because LeBron wasn't available, revenue, salaries, and competition went up. Rice, in this case Condoleezza Rice, has to know that there are no rules or regulations that can stop the wheels of capitalism. The free market will win in America, even if it must go underground. When a player like Silviel de Sosa is worth this, the kid from Kansas in the latest round implicated along with Dennis Smith Jr., who was at NC State, then there's no going back. If Rice and her committee are serious about being more than just an NCAA smoke and mirror show, then it needs to deregulate. Athletes need to control their name and likeness for endorsements or sponsorships, big and small. It's been happening that way forever in the dark. It might as well just bring it to light. If Adidas wants to stock Kansas with players, it will, whether the NCAA admits it or not. Innocent people are not dying because of it. If the local car dealer wants to try the same, then it will too, as it always has. Not even the FBI or muscled-up enforcement staffers can stop it. Now, here what I think is the key line in this column. It's what I've been saying forever, and it, to me, while there is no perfect solution to this, it's the best solution we have. The elimination of amateurism, as Dan Wetzel goes on to write, as the International Olympic Committee did in the 1980s, 
solves almost all, air quotes, problems. Colleges aren't paying players. They're allowing players to be paid. Anything less, just adding more rules, will do nothing, and scandals, which again is in quotes, such as this, will continue and continue. Just a little more from Dan's column here. On the surface, college sports would look different. In reality, as each of these indictments makes crystal clear, it would be business as usual. Rice was brought in to get to the truth of the matter here. The NCAA will have to act on her recommendations or else look like it just used a big name for public relations. Well, that's my question. And this is all on the heels of Kansas, a school that is implicated in the latest round of whatever you want to say they're implicated in and whether or not it's even a big deal, frankly, is about to ink what I believe I saw, and somebody can correct the numbers on this if I'm wrong. I believe it was in this column here, so I will look it up while we're yakking about it here. Yeah, Here it is right here. Kansas is in the process of agreeing to a 12-year, $191 million sponsorship deal with Adidas. When you make that kind of deal with someone, you work for them, not the other way around. A lot of the decisions and a lot of the things that, just to use Syracuse as an example, they're Nike school. And when people ask questions, why'd they wear this uniform? Why are they doing this? Why? You know what the answer to that often is? Nike. It is Nike's call. It is Nike's decision. Nike pays a lot of money to Syracuse University to brand its football, basketball, and other sports. So what they say goes. That is dead right. When you sign a contract like that with a shoe company, in this case, or any company, you work for them. 12 years, $191 million gets a lot of sway as if I'm paying that kind of money, it should. So I'm not bringing up anything new here. I'm not unearthing an argument you have not heard before. I just think the way that Dan presented it today makes the most sense. And depending on, this can't be one of those things where it burns bright for a couple of days and people get fired and we just kind of, as we do in society today, turn the page and go to the next scandal. This is something that has to be continued to be discussed. And the Rice Commission might, I am very skeptical it will, but might provide the forum to do that, might provide a voice that is impactful enough if she takes a true look at the model and the recommendations are what they should be, as opposed to more committees, more rules that won't work. The way Dan puts it is dead on. Capitalism and a free market will thrive. You can either do it up front where everybody can see it, or you can continue the backroom deals that are going on now. So if Condi Rice and her commission and anybody else that wants to put themselves in this conversation takes a look at the amateur model, and their conclusion is these were some rogue entities, these were people that did things the wrong way, and the amateur model works, then we've come right back full circle and done nothing. Or you can say it is time to evolve, it is time to eliminate this amateurism argument. It is time to eliminate the true farce that it is, frankly, and reassess here. And on that note, we'll take a break. Great column. I just, you know, it was so good. I said, I'm going to leave the show with this today because while it's not burning in the headlines right now, it's something that we care a lot about as a college town here. It was a great column, and I wanted to give it its 
uh, propers, as the kids would say. And we're going to hear about this soon enough when the Rice Commission findings come in, which we think is going to be, you know, towards the end of the month here. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line's 288-0644. Let's slide to a break and change gears because next, always look forward to speaking with our next guest, the great Linda Cohn from ESPN on the block next. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. New South Front should have told you. Well, I guess you left me with on the Block is presented by Burdick Toyota. Great to have you here. Getting over that hump, baby. How's your Wednesday going? We are 45 minutes into the program. I have not heard uh, any stories uh, today from my mother about uh, any other random people she ran into at the library back in the day, but uh, the night is young. You just never know. Yeah, I saw this Mike Ruzioni guy. I think he played hockey. He was really short. <laughs> We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. I can't get over that. That was great. I'm telling you, one of these days when I take vacation, I let my mom tell stories. My mom's got stories. Hopefully not about me and the wooden spoon back in the day. But she's got stories, man. So, Tom Brady. We see this from Adam Schefter today. Adam Schefter doesn't usually play this game. Okay, Adam Schefter is the most well-sourced NFL reporter out there. What he says is usually, usually, everybody's wrong once in a while, but if he reports it, it's worth reporting. He's first on a lot of these stories. He breaks a ton of, you know, not only significant moves, but like a lot of this player got released, this player's getting traded, this team's moving up. I mean, Schefter is first on these things. More often than not. So when Adam Schefter today just puts out a report that Tom Brady may or may not play football in 2018, that's something you've got to pay attention a little bit more to than just the usual speculation. Now, Tom Brady is going to be 41 years old when he plays football this year. Okay, it's going to end sometime. There was a lot of rumbles about this. Remember the big Seth Wickersham article at the end of last season about all the fractured relationships in the Patriots locker room and Belichick and Brady. And look, something like that that has been as successful as it has that long inevitably will end. I mean, even San Antonio, which has been one of the model sports franchises in any sport. Look at Kawhi Leonard right now. He's not even showing up. Even the guy who does it better than anybody. Is going to have things go astray on him. And Greg Popovich, Bill Belichick, too, right? Belichick's certainly not infallible. They lost a Super Bowl this year. They had a lot of people kind of, you know, when you're that successful, a lot of ego gets into play. And, you know, it becomes something that success can be your worst enemy sometimes. So Schefter tweets this today. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady still has not committed to playing in 2018, even though people who know him believe he will be back this coming season. League sources told ESPN 
Uh, okay. So what you're saying is he hasn't said he's playing football, but people think he's going to play football. Now, where a lot of this comes from is, and this is so 2018, it's incredible to me. Albert Breer tweeted about this as well. Brady's tone in the final episode of Tom versus Time was definitely different than it had been in the past. Continuing to play no longer seemed like a foregone conclusion. If you're not familiar with Tom versus Time, so Brady did this kind of mini documentary series that was on, I believe it was on Facebook. I have not watched any of these, but I've certainly talked to people and seen other people on Twitter and other places that have watched this and were really struck by how honest Brady was, and that was the impression a lot of people took from this. Because a lot of it was like behind the scenes and what his family life is like. And you know, I don't think Giselle has certainly hidden the fact that she wants Tom to stop playing. She's been very outspoken about concussions. And remember that whole thing? She kind of said he had a concussion that wasn't disclosed. And I mean, we're getting, I mean Tom Brady in the past, this, was, this would be the dumbest question of the day. I'm going to play till I'm 45, and he's the ultimate competitor, and nobody wants to win more than Tom Brady. But you know, you just kind of reach a certain point where life kind of hits you, even though you've had all the success in the world, all the money in the world. You know, you have a family. You you know, you're hearing all these stories about concussions and health and anything. And you know, I mean, just think of Tom Brady's health regimen: avocado ice cream and all that thing, right? For a 41 year old quarterback, it is incredible. The rate of success that he has, the production that he has, he's better than most quarterbacks in the league that are 10 to 15 years younger than him. But if it is truly the end, and as a Buffalo Bills fan, Tom, you know, it's probably time. You know, I mean, boy, you, whew, surefire Hall of Famer, you've done so much, Tom. I just, Father Time catches up with you eventually. Might be time to just don that cap. Go out on top. Yeah, I know you lost the Super Bowl to the Eagles, but you know now might be the time, Tom. I really feel like you, you, know, you don't want to dent that old legacy there, right? But it just makes you think how rare it is that these things end the old storybook way. Rare is it that you walk off the field a champion? Rare is it that dynasties like this break apart in an amicable way? But for Brady to be here on April 18th and for this report to not be immediately refuted, we have made it to almost 5 o'clock today. No one from Brady's camp, Brady himself, these are things that are easy to respond to these days. Nobody has denied this. Nobody's come out and said, what the hell are you talking about? I'm playing football this year. It's just incredible to me how something that should be inevitable. You're telling me a 41-year-old quarterback might have to stop playing football but with Brady, we have been led to believe and we have been sold that this is a guy that has defied time, that has defied a lot of logic here. And, you know, we almost kind of assumed he was going to play another three or four years, even at 41 years old. That's hot. Because he's still one of the best quarterbacks in football. But the fact that Schefter would put that out there, that sources are telling him, like, we're not sure. We think he's playing, but we're not sure. Is something to keep an eye on here. There's been a lot of speculation about what the Patriots are going to do in the draft, letting Jimmy Garoppolo go. They've The Patriots aren't going to tip their hand on anything when it comes to the draft because that's just not what they do. But Lamar Jackson has been tied to them, or they're going to take a quarterback at some point. I think they have to, right? 
the dynamics of the Patriots and how these walls are crumbling is pretty interesting. Of course, I haven't even brought up Rob Gronkowski. He might not even be back at this point. He wants to go be like an action star or something, which, you know, his legacy's set. He's one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Tom Brady's legacy is more than set. Bill Belichick's legacy is set. They've been doing this since 2001. Year in and year out is incredible. In the sports age we know today, particularly the National Football League, where you can go from 12-4 and four to 4-12 four and 12 like that, that they have just been there and have been the steady stream of success in the NFL. Was it more Brady or Belichick? Was it more Belichick than Brady? We may not get the answer to that question because one would think once Brady goes, Belichick goes. Or will Belichick try and prove that it was me and I can win without Tom Brady? On another note, I've said this for years. I'll talk about this with Seth Everett next hour because it's a conversation you have this time of the year because, well, it's 38 degrees out right now. Winter will not go away. It is technically spring. It has technically been spring. It's been spring technically for about a month. This has been one of the worst, air quotes, springs we've gone through. And I'm not just saying that because I'm complaining. Stats tell us that. Temperature readings tell us that. The below average temperatures that we've gone through, this is just a death grip that winter has had, not only here but in several places that want to play baseball this time of the year when they really shouldn't be. Well, Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs, as the kids like to say, kept it real here when he said, and I quote, we play too much baseball. Yes, guys are going to take pay cuts, but are we playing this game for the money or do we love this game? I know it's both, but in the long run, it will make everything better. And he goes on to say this, I think playing in the cold sucks. I was thinking about this the other day. When you think of Cubs Cardinals, you think of a beautiful Saturday at Wrigley Field. You don't think about playing in 20 degrees. Why does baseball start so early? When inevitably, a number of games are going to be delayed, scheduled for later, double-headed. If they started the season even now, because this is a late, late winter, right? If the average temperatures were, you know, average in all these places where delays are happening and weather events are happening, if they were just average temperatures, temperatures, pardon me, there'd still be delays, but not at the rate we're seeing now. The Syracuse Chiefs today had four players combine for a no-hitter. And they were fortunate that there were people there to watch this because it was education day. So you got all the school kids there, all the teachers, and they get to go and have an experience at the ballpark. So there were people there to see it. If not, who's going out and watching baseball when it's 35 out? And God bless the diehards that do. But I have just always looked at this and said, how much money are we really losing here? Because no one's going to these games. Look around Major League Baseball. Well, we can't do it. You'll lose money. No owner's going to give back 20 games. There's no one going to the games when it's 30 degrees out in New York, in Boston, in Cincinnati, and, and wherever. So what are we losing by saying, can we just start this in mid-April? And I'm going to ask Seth Everett about that, but I've never understood these fur. We can't do that. Baseball starts here. Why can't baseball start now? I've never been given a good answer to that. Other than that's just the way we do it.
I, I was listening to something today, and somebody's like, oh, this just shows how soft we're getting. No, it's just logic. No one wants to watch baseball when it's 28 degrees out. It's just common sense is what it is. And if it is about money, how much money are you making when no one's showing up to the ballpark as it is? And on that note, we'll take a break. We'll ask Seth Everett about that coming up. Howard Dolgan's going to join us as well. Get ready for the Calder Cup playoffs. Syracuse and Rochester getting it on. Stay right there. You're on the block. Thank you. Bye-bye.